All righty, I wanted to read this scripture to you. And actually, what I wanted to talk to you about just briefly this morning, um, <clears throat> because I'm not going to really do the whole thing, but um, it's, I want to talk to you about prayer. And probably I'm the worst person in the world to talk to anybody about prayer because I'm probably the worst prayer in the room. But I do have a prayer life. And uh, I just wanted to, because I feel like there's a shift that has ha- is happening right now on a lot of levels. But one of the things I have felt a pretty an intensity in my own life has been around prayer. That, uh, you know, every season that we're in, uh, and the natural requires something different from us, right? Wintertime requires a different, you know, activities, different dress. There's different food uh, that we eat because of the, of, of the season. And spiritually, every season requires something different from us, okay? And I believe one of the things is I've noticed in my own life there's been a shift in my prayers, and a shift in how I pray and what I pray, and it's really been a, a really a, an amazing few months for me um, in terms of, of the prayers that God has, that I've been, the conversation I've been having with the Lord has is, is really been, it's just been really liberating to me. Because for so long, uh, you know, we were in a, a really challenging season and, and it just seemed like, you know, my best prayer always was help Lord. You know, <laughs> that's an awesome prayer. I don't put that prayer down. Uh, but sometimes you would like to not have to just have that prayer that you're in such a, a, a mess. That's about the only prayer you know to pray because you've prayed everything else you need to do, pray and none of it worked and, and you're just sort of beside yourself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I love, and I still uh, help Lord uh, quite often in the last few days. I've been asking the Lord to help me a whole lot uh, in terms of, you know, washing dishes and uh, washing feet and... You know, cut my toenails. You know, and I just said, there's a limit to this thing now. I've hit my limit. I don't do toenails. Go in here. Here, take some money and go into the, one of those places that they do toenails. Uh, you know, we all need, you know, we all have limits. But, you, you know, help, Lord. You know, and the Lord has really helped me. Amen. And he's helped Becky. And, you know, I really the, help Becky. <laughs> You know, you can find the Lord in anything, really, though, if you're willing to humble yourself. You know, you really can. God's in everything, and He doesn't, and He's always wanting to reveal Himself. And I just told the Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to find you in this, because I don't want to be in this. Let me out of this. You know, this is, can I just skip this? But He didn't seem to answer that. He seemed to ignore that, you know, and told me basically through my wife, it would be better for you just to shut up and just do what you're supposed to do. And not complain. And so I've been doing that. She broke her arm. You know, I won't tell you how she broke her arm because the doctors laughed at her. Everybody who, you know, official people. Huh? Well, you know there's these hoverboard things. Y'all know what a hoverboard is? Y'all know what a Segway is, right? A Segway, well, a hoverboard doesn't have the handle on it. It's like a small segue. You just get on it with your feet. Well, my son-in-law had one, and he's just been enjoying life on that, and he brought it, and she wanted to get on it. And I, she was riding around in the house on it. You know, you just ride, your, your feet control it. If you lean back, it stops. You lean forward, it moves forward. It's a cool little thing if you're 20 years old. <laughs> you know, I saw it. At first, I thought, like, she shouldn't be on that. I didn't say nothing because she wouldn't have listened anyway. So next thing I know, she's, she's trying to stop the thing, and obviously it's counterintuitive, and she falls, and she hits, her elbow hits the hardwood floor in the kitchen, and she breaks her shoulder right there. Fortunately, it's not, but it was a bad moment there. It was a bad week, honestly, to tell you the truth. It was kind of rough. It was an anxious week for me, but obviously she would, I shouldn't be talking about how I feel about it, because she's the one... <laughs> She's the one that was suffering, but it made me real anxious, I'll be honest with you. I was just stressed the whole week because suddenly you got double everything. You know, everything you do, personally and it's everything else, you suddenly got yours to do and somebody else's. So, you know, it's kind of an intense week, but I think we've worked through it. But God has really, just let me make this clear, God had mercy because she fell right there in the kitchen, right 
right there next to the granite. She could have hit her head. I mean, you know, the Lord took care of her, I'll tell you. And she probably won't do that again. <laughs> but she's healing up. Thank you, Lord. Anyways, how did I get on all that? I want to talk about this prayer thing. Let me read the scripture. It's Mark 9, 28 through 29. Now, I want to tell you the background of this scripture. I'm not reading all that. This is right after the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus went up on the, mount, on the mountaintop called the Mount of Transfiguration. And he took three of his disciples with him. That means the rest of them were left down on the earth. And it says that Jesus was transformed. It was a glorious experience. I mean, he, you know, it was awesome. Well, when he comes down from the mountaintop, there was a big commotion going on. Okay? There's a big, and that should tell us all something. You know, many times we have these encounters with the Lord. The first thing we face is a problem, an issue in the valley of mankind. And so, and what happened, there was a, a, there was a little boy, a young man, who had a demon or demons. And it was an epileptic type demon. And the demon which had been trying to kill the child. Uh, and he would, he would go into these fits and throw himself into the fire or throw himself into the water. And the dad brought the boy to the disciples who had a reputation for doing miracles because God had already used them. Jesus had sent them out. They had a reputation for being able to function in the power of God. Well, they couldn't, they couldn't get this boy healed. They couldn't get him delivered. And so Jesus walks into this big problem, and uh, he, you know there's a conversation between him and the dad. It was an amazing story, but the bottom line is Jesus delivered the boy instantly. And the boy was set free from this demon. And so after everything was over with, it says in verse 28, this is the part I wanted to say to you. It says, And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Okay, why could we not cast it out? I want, first of all, I want you to get this. That's a prayer. I want you and I to begin to look at the New Testament a little bit different. And one of the things that I see when I read the New Testament, some of the conversations that are happening between Jesus and his disciples are like prayers. Okay? They're asking God questions. They're wanting to know, why is this not working? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay? I can relate to these people. You can relate to these people because we do many things that don't work. And we're wondering, Lord, why, why ain't this working? And, and Jesus said this amazing thing to them, okay? So he said to them, this kind can come out by, nothing, out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, here's the thing that really gets me about this. Jesus didn't pray to deliver that boy. He just spoke the word and the boy was healed, but he's telling his disciples something different. Now, that should make you wonder. It makes me wonder because Jesus would never tell us something that, was, that made sense sometimes, right? That's the way I feel like, no, it don't make no sense. You're telling them it's prayer and fasting, yet you, 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 weren't, you didn't pray for him to be delivered. You just spoke the word, and he was delivered. And so you have to wonder about that. I have to wonder about it. Do I, what is, what's the answer to that? I mean, I know there's lots of answers, but you wonder, is it, was, do we really look at prayer the way God looks at prayer? Do we look at prayer like, well, we need to pray to get this demon, pray for this boy to get the demon, or is there something else that he was trying to tell us in that moment? Are you, are you following what I'm saying to you? You know, that maybe he wasn't saying... You just need to pray at that moment again. Maybe prayer means something else to God. Maybe prayer means that in the background of Jesus' life, that embedded into his life was, was, was prayer, that he, that's, that, you know, if you don't have this relationship, if you don't have this life of prayer with God, this, this kind of thing's not going to work. And he, when he walked into the situation, I'm just saying perhaps he had already, he had a certain prayer life. That was, that was working in his life. Not a prayer for the demon to get out, but he had this prayer life with God. And because he had a certain prayer life with God, he could just speak a word. I, I wonder about that. I don't know that for sure, but I do wonder about that. 
And uh, so I think one of the things that God really wants to, to do with us is, is call us into a different thoughts on prayer than what we've traditionally, to, traditionally had. I read about this thing, and uh, this is kind of old, but it's really interesting. In August 2005, Newsweek magazine, which I don't think is really a, a hard magazine no more. I think it's just an online magazine. They asked 1,004, I don't know why they came up with this number, Americans what they believe and how they practice their faith. Okay, so this little thing. And one of the questions was, what do you think the most important purpose of prayer? What is the most important purpose of prayer? And they, here's, here's their re- responses with percentages. Uh, first, it was to seek God's guidance. That was 27% of the people said prayer is to seek God's guidance. Uh, 23% said it was to thank God. Uh, 19% says to be close to God or the divine. So these may have not necessarily been believers like us. Uh, 13% said prayer was to help others. 9% said it was to improve a person's life. All those are really great things. And then there was this other, which they didn't define other. 4% of the people said other. And then I feel like, man, I might have asked this one at some point. 5% said, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what prayer is anymore. Isn't it interesting that that's the response of people about prayer. Some people, I don't even know. They may have not been believers. We don't know. Or, or they some had other things that they realized. I read this thing years ago. Uh, there was a, I'm not big into acronyms, as you probably well know, on, about the purpose of prayer. There was an acronym called ACTS, A-C-T-S. A equals adoration. C equals confession. T equals thanksgiving. And S means supplication, or we would say request. And that was a good way to remember the purpose of prayer. Acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and request, supplication. I think it's, you know, pretty much covers a lot of things. But I would like to say uh, also, you know, confession, I was saying about confession. Confession is an amazing thing because the Bible teaches us this. Grace and truth always work together. Confession is having truth with God. It's not just saying, oh, God, I messed up. It's, it's having truth about yourself and being honest with God. And when we begin to be honest with God, some people need to be honest with themselves. Some, there's people in this room, you're not even honest with yourself. You know? And one of the ways to start becoming honest with yourself is start be, you know, talking to God, being real with God, being true with God, and not coming to God with some pretense about prayer. Coming to God... Uh, with some ridiculous thing, some facade, but getting real with God about yourself and about your life. That's a real confession. I tend to call the C part conversational prayer because there's the two things that have really been impacting to me lately has been the conversational part of prayer and the make your request known to God part of prayer. I don't have a time to talk about both of those this morning. I, I want to talk about, and both of them I believe are really important right now. I think conversational prayer, it's, it's been life-changing for me in a lot of ways. Some conversations I've had with God in the past few months um, about a lot of things in my life and a lot of things that have gone on in my life, things that I didn't really understand and I wanted God to talk. I wanted to talk to God about it. I wanted to get God's perspective. I really love this thing, and and that would probably fall in to be close to God, um, kind of prayer. I guess it would. Are y'all following me? Because y'all are just sitting there looking at me badly. <laughs> I really wanted to read this beautiful. I mean, just amazing uh, conversation from the Old Testament that I just find such a joy and peace in and I think it reveals the heart of God it's, it's when Moses or Abraham had this conversation with God before God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah it's just and see a lot of people use this about intercession and about you know lots of, even about the raptures and all that they use a lot of this I don't really know about any of that stuff but I do know that here's a man having a conversation with God 
and trying to understand the heart of God and what God was doing and why he was doing it. That's, when I read that, that's what I get. Here's a human, a man, and God is engaging this man. Let me just read it to you. It says, Then the, the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, would you, dis- would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? It's just a question. Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? To slay the righteous with the wicked. Now, I want you to put yourself in this conversation. I want you to take it and apply it to your life. Because there's things that, that are operating in your life where you, you have questions and even possibly issues and misunderstandings with God about what God is doing, has done, or may do. Okay? And that's really what Abraham was trying to work through because in his mind, what God was about to do, how could you, God? How, how could a righteous God do this? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the 50 righteous. Would you destroy all the city for a lack of five? So he said, if I find, you know, the Lord used a little bit better language than Abraham did. If I find 45 there, five less than 50, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there would be 40 found there. And he said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, Indeed now, I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. He said, So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, now See, this is, kind of, this is an interesting situation. He's just going down the line. Let it not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. But once more, suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. A lot of people think if Abraham would have kept pushing the point, you know, down to one, that God would have said, I won't do it for one. But I want you to really just see that this, to me, reveals a God that invites conversation, that invites questions, and that a God who's looking for, for people that want to probe Him about what's going on in their life or what's going on in their, around them, the world, whatever, whatever is in your heart, that God wants us to press into Him like that and... And, and find out from him what in the world, or what is this, Lord? What are you doing? And it, it says it in Isaiah one eighteen. the Lord spoke to Israel, and, and they, were in a bad, they were in a bad way. He said, come and let us reason together. Come and let's, let's have a conversation about this. Let's have a conversation about this. Because God is a God who wants to open his heart up. Abraham was simply trying to understand. I'm trying to understand your heart, God, because I don't understand it. And see, that's a conversation that God has invited people into. That's what I found personally about God. Because I had some questions in my life about... One thing, I had a question about prayer. Okay? Because... There are certain prayers in my life that very much are near and dear to me that I love to pray. And I don't pray them through repetition. I pray them because they're meaningful to me and they, they happen to be the two prayers out of Ephesians. I've been praying those prayers for 20 years. Almost every day of my life I pray them over my children. 
I pray them over this church. And it's not like I'm just going through like, let me go through this. Lord, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Huh? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. In the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, all, I'm in, God. No, it's because I desire that more than anything. Else. I desire that to be a real thing in my life. But I said, Lord, wait a minute, Lord, what in the world? I've been praying this prayer, prayer for 20 years, and this is far as I've gone with this? I mean, tell me, Lord, we got to get on this thing because I don't want to do, does it do any good to pray this prayer? That was my question to God. Is it doing me any good to ask you this, to do this? I don't feel like nothing's happening in my life. I feel as blind today as I did when I started praying the prayer. And I wanted to know from God, is it acceptable in your sight for me to pray this? Because I don't want to pray something that you have no interest in answering. And that you have no interest in me even talking to you about. Because I've been doing it for a long time now and it seems like I'm the only one interested in it. You know what I'm talking about? Like I'm seem to be the only person in the room interested in this, Lord, and you don't, you don't seem to be talking. And so I began to have this conversation with the Lord about that for weeks. And that conversation went to other conversations. Another question I had for the Lord was this. Lord, how can a human being, how can a mere man really know you? How can a mere man really know you, Lord? Because I feel like I've been a Christian for 40 years and I feel like I really don't know you. Lord, I know all about you. I know lots about you, Lord. A whole lot about you. I know way more about God than I know actually God himself. I can tell you some things about God. But can I really stand up here and say, do I really know the Lord? I said, Lord, I don't feel like I know you. I don't feel like I know who you really are. I can tell you Bible verse after Bible verse and thing after thing. Are y'all following this? That was a real question in my heart for God. Is how can I know you? I can tell you things biblically, but how can I really know you, Lord? I want to know that if I'm supposed to know you. If I'm supposed to have a relationship with you. Because I don't really know how to have a relationship with you. I don't really know what it really means to know a God that's so big and so huge and so beyond my capacity to understand how I could even have this relationship with Him. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe I'm the only person in this room that struggles with this kind of thing because that's part of that prayer in Ephesians. Give the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know in the knowledge of or to know Jesus Christ. And so I've been praying that one prayer for 20 years. And do I know Jesus Christ? Do I really know him? Oh, the Bible says in John 17, 3. That eternal life is to know the only true God and Jesus Christ his son. Well, I do know him from a salvation perspective. But I don't know... How much beyond that I really know him? I really don't. And I don't want knowledge of knowing about God to deceive me into thinking that I know him. And that was my question to God. So I went round and round for weeks. Now let me just say this. This was not an angry conversation. This was not an over-the-top frustrated conversation. This was a genuine conversation that I was having with God, asking God for answers and asking God, I need you to help me with this. You know, John the Baptist, if anybody knew Christ when he walked on earth, John the Baptist did, right? I mean, he was his cousin, so he knew him from a natural perspective, but he's also... uh, you know, John the Baptist was, was filled with the Holy Ghost while he was in his mama's womb. When his mama came in contact with Mary, when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, something happened there. And so John the Baptist had something in him. He had this thing in him. And God the Father spoke to John the Baptist and said, I'm going to reveal to you the Messiah. You're going to see something. And when you baptize the Messiah... You're going to know it because you're going to see an angel or or a dove. You're going to see the Holy Spirit come on. You're going to see that. 
And so that's what he told people. I know he's the Messiah because God told me when I baptized the Messiah, there would be a dove that I would literally see come and rest on him. And I saw that. That's what he told people. So he had revelation of Christ. He had more revelation of Christ at that time than any other person, really. Yet, here's what happened to him. He winds up in jail. You know? And he's in jail. And what what happens? He starts wondering. And he begins to question who Christ is. Are you? This is what he said. He's seen his disciples. Hey, go tell this Jesus. Are you the coming one? Are you the Christ? Or should we look for some other? Right? At that point, he had talked himself out of knowing this person because this person was not doing what he knew this person could do, should do, because a Messiah would certainly deliver his, his friend, his spokesman. He would certainly come to his rescue, but he wasn't. He wasn't coming. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And that was a picture for all of us. There's not a person in this room that we haven't faced that moment in our life when we felt like we needed God to do what He was supposed to do. And God chose not to do it and chose not to explain Himself. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And that's a bad spot to be in. And then here's what's even more crazier. (laughs) I think this is crazy. Jesus said some crazy stuff. Hey, Listen, go tell John that the blind see, the lame walk, the gospel's being preached to the poor. Duh, I already know that. He wasn't telling John anything that he didn't already know. John knew all right that. He'd seen that. He'd seen the miracles. He had seen all that. But then he said something else. Did y'all get that? That's really important. Because you can see all that, and you can know all that. But when God's not doing that for you, that's a problem. And then Jesus said this other little thing to him. And oh, by the way, blessed. Blessed is a person who doesn't get offended at me. Because John, if you can overcome that offense of me not answering your prayers, of me not talking to you, me not doing what then you're, you're a blessed man. And that was a word for everybody, I think. I think it was a word for everybody. And what I've watched is I've watched people have these conversations with God. The why conversation. Why did you let this happen, Lord? And they didn't let, they had the conversation with the wrong heart. They were angry with God. They were offended with God. And God was not moved by that in fact I'm, I'm just going to say this God is not going to be moved by our anger or our offense that does not move God you know what moves God? faith faith is what moves God and so we can be real truthful with God about how we feel real truthful with Him like Abraham was see Abraham was the father of faith like, surely you're not going to do that, are you? You can't do that. How could you? How could you do that, God? But see, his heart was in a place where he could say that to God. Because he wasn't angry or offended at God because of God's actions. And that's the difference, I really believe, in whether we get from God what we're looking to get. Y'all are really making me nervous. I wanted to read this scripture here that God spoke to me through, through all this. It says, for Hebrews eleven six, But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. Listen to this. And that He is a rewarder, rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Okay? Now here's the key. Here's where, every, here's where you... This is where we have to be careful of the reward. What In our mind, the reward, the reward is God doing what we want Him to do. 
Right? But that's not what they're saying there. That's not the reward. Now, here's, here's where everybody misses. It's where I've missed it for years. This is what I discovered in this conversation with God. The reward is in seeking Him because God comes near to you in that place. He may not give you what you're asking. He may not answer your question. It's not your understanding that's going to be rewarded, but it's going to be your heart. Because in that place where I was crying out to the Lord about my prayers, I was crying out to Him about knowing Him, God, somewhere, somewhere, I don't even know the moment, God came near to me. God came near to me. And God began to refresh my heart. And it made me want God. Suddenly I wasn't thinking about getting the answers anymore. I was thinking about God. The person of God, the presence of God in my life and thinking that's the thing I've got to have more than anything else. I may not understand it. I may never understand why these bad things. I can't understand why this this 29-year-old pastor's wife was brutally murdered in her own home. I don't understand that. I don't like that. I don't like that God let that happen. I don't. I don't really understand all this with these innocent people gunned down. Why are you killing innocent people? Go kill soldiers that people are meant to fight. But don't just kill innocent people. But somewhere when we start getting real with God and start having real conversations with God, there's a reward for us. And the reward at this point is God Himself. Is God coming near to you? And you may not be, your circumstances may not change, but your outlook on those circumstances will change. Your perspective about your life will change. And suddenly the God who you were offended at or you wanted to be offended at, or the God that, you, that doesn't make sense is the God that you want. And the God that you're saying, you know what, I'm going to watch how I think a lot better than I have been because I've been thinking bad stuff. I've been thinking bad stuff. How many people in this room get down occasionally? You just get down. You know what the Lord told me recently? You know why you're down? It's you're thinking. You ain't thinking right. And because you ain't thinking right, it's messing you up. Now, I'm not saying that. There's people who have, you know, biological, hey, I'm on board with that. But I'm telling you something for a lot of us. Our downness, our bumness, our de- some of our depression has to do with the way we think. Some of it has to do simply as this, impure thoughts. You ain't thinking impure. Okay? And, and the Bible tells us this. We've, I've quoted this scripture a billion times. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. But I haven't really thought much about the verse that preceded that. Which that verse talks all about your, your purity of your thoughts, the purity of your heart. And then it says, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. When we begin to reject lies about God, and when we begin to reject this need to be comforted in an illicit way. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand. But I bet you do. I bet you do. I bet you everybody in this room knows what I'm talking about. Everybody in this room has found comfort in stuff they shouldn't have found comfort in. Right? That's what we human beings do. But when we do that, the the joy. Let me read this one other scripture to you. Are you all okay? Then I'm going to be done here and maybe we can talk about supplication because God really wants to just do crazy things at another time. But this is a scripture... John 16, that God gave me back in the summer, which at the time I didn't know, like, oh, that's really cool, Lord. I love that scripture. Awesome. You know, and then he makes you sort of eat it. <laughs> eat it and live it. <laughs> and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, Lord, in Jesus' name. Why ain't this working, Lord? Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive what? That your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. This is what the Lord told me. There's a lot of your prayers that I'm not answering because it will rob you of your joy. 
And I'll never do anything in your life that would take your joy away. Never. I will never do it. So I began, that was really part of my journey, is begin to look at some of my prayers. Like, am I praying stuff that God is really not in the Father's heart? Because He's not going to give it to me because He knows it would rob me of my joy. And ultimately, it would make me depressed. Ultimately, it would make me feel down. And I think that's why we need to start having conversations with God about stuff we're praying about. Well, I don't feel like God told me to stop praying those prayers. They weren't making me feel down. It was thinking bad thoughts about why God wasn't doing what He was supposed to do and why didn't He deliver, why didn't He heal, why did He let that happen? And I couldn't connect the two, that I would feel this downness that would come on me, just wake up in the morning, I feel down. In the middle of the day, I feel, why am I feeling, why am I feeling down? And God had to show me, well, because you're not thinking right, son. You're thinking bad things, and it's causing you to feel down. Because God wants us to be joyful. And He wants us to be peaceful. And He wants us to walk in righteousness. And He's given us everything we need. In fact, we are that in in Christ. Mm. You okay? (laughs) So I think the shift in prayer, for me, I'm just telling you me, my walk. The shift in prayer begins with getting real with God. And beginning to have a conversation with God and get quit being religious with God. Stop. God don't need some special way of you praying or some special voice. Let me tell you, He don't even need you to be on your knees because Abraham says Abraham stood up. <laughs> he was just standing there in a field talking to God. Go get in a field somewhere and walk around and talk to God. God. Oh, what God's really looking at is on the inside. He's looking for our heart. He's looking for a heart that would really talk to Him and, and be real with Him. And say, I'm really frustrated about this, Lord. I really am. I'm frustrated. Help me with this. Help me get this. Help me process this. And I think somewhere in the conversation, like with me, somewhere in the conversation, God came near. God came near to me. I still don't know why I've been praying some prayers for 20 years and, and I got a, you know, 5% answer on them. I still don't know that. But you know what? Right now, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to keep praying them. You know, I'm praying them over my kids all the time, Lord. Lord, let them, let them know the love of Christ. Let them know the height, length, breadth of death of your love. Let them know that. Let them be grounded in that. I, I love that prayer. I want that prayer for me. So I want to encourage you, you know, how to step into something new with God, into a new day with God, into a new conversation with God, to a new communication with God. Amen? Amen. And I wanted to say something. Hey, Pat DeFranco, stand up. Yes, sir. Well, you can stand up too if you want to, but you don't have to. But you didn't do anything. She wrote a book, a children's book. And she gave it to a publisher, and they're going to publish it. Isn't that amazing? She had these dreams. She was telling us about these dreams. Of course, we were like trying to really interpret them, and none of it was right probably. And <laughs> but what it, was, it was all about this book and about children. And God wants, number one, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you going for it. That was really awesome. Keep going for it. I love when people get old. They don't quit. They just keep going for the dream in their heart. You know, that God puts something in them. And just keep going for it. Don't stop. And that should give us all, you know, it's like they've set a bar. Like, oh, they've set a pretty high bar, you know. They're walking around here. He's stumbling around with a walker and, you know, and... You know, just dealing with the natural parts of getting old. But they, their hearts are young. Their hearts are full of God. And I think God has put stuff in everybody in this room. And I 
believe that you can figure that out. In your conversation with God, you can, that can be uncovered for you. And you can begin to do what God's called you. And don't be afraid to do. Don't be afraid to fail. Okay? Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid. Well, nobody's going to read my book. Forget that thought. Who cares? That's not what it's about. You don't know what's going to happen. Whatever it is, don't be afraid. And listen, here's another thing you've got to do. Okay? You've got to do this. This is what I was telling a certain young man. I am so proud of you. I love you so much. You've made me so proud in my life. Well, I'm not that good, Dad. I've sort of really messed up. I haven't done everything right. No, you're awesome. Don't think that about yourself. You're awesome in my eyes. You're awesome in my eyes. I'm so proud of you. That is what God the Father wants you to hear. He wants you to hear that. That But you see, the world, the flesh, the devil is all telling you something else. And and we've got to stop listening to that other stuff because it's lies. It's lies and it's holding the people of God down. We're being held down by lies. That's all they are. You can say, I could say, I, I said to this certain young man, well, I've messed up too. I haven't been the best daddy in the world. That's not the real... Everybody messes up. God's taking care of that, right? He's taking care of our mess-ups. He's not looking at our mess-ups. When He sees us, the Bible says He sees the wisdom of God. He sees the righteousness of Christ. That's what He sees. And see, we've got to start seeing ourselves that way. That doesn't mean lying. You know, you can talk to God about your mess-ups. Be real with Him. But get back to what's reality for him. And when you begin to do that, you'll get real with yourself. God wants to call people up now. That's what I believe. He's calling you and I up. He's calling us to be, be our real selves. Let's have a real conversation with God. Let's have a real talk with him about our issues, about stuff going on. Let's, let's get some things dealt with and settled so we can go on. And here's what that one last thing about the prayer thing. It'll make you want to pray. You think, oh, I've got to have this conversation with God. I need to talk more to Him about this. You'll want to, like, okay, let me pray today. Let me find a prayer list so I can keep from not, you know, falling asleep in my prayers. No, that, it become a joy to you. It becomes something that's inviting to you. God is inviting every one of us into something special with Him in this time. He's... The prayer, the shift in prayer is going to lead to a shift in your life, which is going to lead a shift in your family. It's going to lead a shift to everywhere you go. Things God wants to bring things up. He wants to enlarge. He is very much interested in this right now. And it can start just in a conversation. Amen? Stand up and let me pray for you. Just... Um I think it's interesting Byron preached on this because last night I was responding. I won't give a name because we can't really record, but it's one of our beloved missionaries that is um, serving in radical Muslim territory and um, emailed me wanting to come, and they are, they've just lost more pastors where they are um, that are being brutally murdered. And the response was that sh- we don't always understand his ways. And I just, I emailed back just late last night, and my thought was, we don't always understand his ways, but what we are after is to understand his heart of love and compassion. And that I believe, and it's funny Byron's saying all this, that after the journey, most of us live through many difficult things. The later and older you get in life, you realize you don't know either of that. You don't know his ways, and you don't really know his heart of love or compassion. But it is the thing that's going to really cause us to have a great relationship with him. We press on. So that's what I feel this morning. You know, as we learn to press on, really acknowledging we don't know him. We don't know his ways. We don't 
but really these conversations we have with him and being honest because that's what I said to her. I don't know either. I don't know his heart of love, compassion, or his ways that we press on. And uh, so, amen. I just feel like that is something we can just tell the Lord this morning because I believe the Lord is drawing us right now into a greater level of intimacy and depth with him like we've never known. And the only way we have intimacy and depth with anyone is is, uh, honesty. Honesty uh, leads to relationship. So that was good. I just felt like the Lord was confirming that this morning, just something he's doing among us. I'm just going to pray a blessing over you. Uh, Lord, mm. Lord, you told me about knowing you, you said you already had the answer. That's what you told me. You already had the answer. And I did. Somehow I my the answer to knowing the Lord, although I had it, it was hidden from me. But here's what the answer is. And this is going to be the answer for you the rest of your life. You know the Lord as the Lord reveals himself to you. You and I cannot know this God without this God making the first move to us. Our responsibility is when he makes a move towards us, when he knocks, when we hear his voice, when we have a a glory encounter, when we have a revelation, it's God coming near and inviting us, inviting us. It's just an invitation. It's an invitation to go further with Him and go deeper with Him. And God wants to reveal Himself to people. You can't study yourself into it. Studying's awesome, but you can't study yourself into it. You can know a million things about God and not know Him. God wants you to know Him. He's more committed to it than we are. So, Lord, I pray for every person in this room. I pray, I pray what Paul prayed. He prayed for that spirit of wisdom and revelation to come, to reveal Christ, to reveal the beauty of God. Lord, we, we're pitiful without that, Lord. We can't figure this thing out. We're not smart enough, fast enough, glorious enough. But, Lord, we're asking you, this morning I'm asking you for every person in this room Lord that they would have an encounter with you they would have a they'd have a moment with you they would have a time with you Lord I pray that they would begin to have this conversation with you Lord and somewhere in the middle of the conversation Lord they would realize you were there you were there all the time you were there and you their hearts suddenly realized that God was right there next to them and had never left them I pray that, Lord. I pray that we would see that and and know that and feel that embrace today. For all of those, Lord, who've just been so broken, Lord, they've been so broken, they they can't get themselves out, I ask you today to get them out. Lord, reach your hand out and, and rescue them, Lord. Rescue them, Lord. Rescue the broken and the hurting, Lord, and the disappointed, Lord, and the depressed, Lord. I pray today they would feel the hand of God reach out to them personally. I ask you to do that. I ask you, Lord. And, Lord, we are asking for the breath of God to blow in us again in a powerful way. Lord, a mighty revival breath. A mighty awakening breath. We ask for that breath to blow, Lord. Just like that river roars, we're asking for that air to come now, Lord. And fill us, Lord. Fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Fill us, Lord. Let us not be people who walk in a powerlessness, Lord. Let us be people who walk in the grace and the power of God. I pray a that over every person in this room, Lord. And Lord, you you want to set people free. Now, I'm. this is the truth. I, if this is you, you don't have to acknowledge this, but 
there are impure thoughts in this room now in fact there are impure thoughts there's a stream of them flowing in the earth God wants to cut that off on you he wants to unplug you from that you can get unplugged today there's also a stream of pure thoughts flowing in the earth of God's thoughts he wants to unplug you from from those demonic thoughts and, and plug you into the mind of Christ so you need to let the Lord do that for you right now it's an exchange really those impure thoughts take on many forms some of them are very hateful unforgiving some of them are just impure but just let the Lord this morning disconnect you from that and connect you up with his thoughts Lord I pray that I pray you'd release the thoughts of Christ into this room Lord I pray for joy to come in this room people who feel down and they connect into your thoughts Lord there's an abundance of joy I just pray that in Jesus name you know the Lord the Lord has all the intellect there is all the intellect there is if you like intellect then you should love God and here's the thing though your intellect is really not that great I don't care how smart you are it's just not it's not going to get it but his intellect is amazing so just ask the Lord if you love intellect I want to free you today okay I'm going to free you. It's okay to love intellect. I'm going to free you. But I want to encourage you to tap into the intellect of God because that's the true intellect there is. And if you're one of them heart people who just, it's okay to be that way too. God loves that because that's the way He is. We just need to tap into His heart. So maybe we could have the ministry team come. I gotta get out of this. <laughs> yeah, ministry team, y'all come out here and bail me out of this mess. God bless all of y'all. Thank you for coming today. If this was your first time, let me just say this. We would love for you to if God is calling you to be part of this family, we want you here. We really do. Anybody who has any desire for further prayer and ministry, we have awesome people here. Otherwise, we're just going to go home.